Welcome to Real Estate Experts. Join us to democratize the secrets to real estate for everyone, everywhere. Thank you for being here. Let's see what our experts have to say today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Real Estate Experts. Uh, Elias Pedjalud here with my homie, Paul Roberson. Uh, Paul is the founder of Flow, which is a uh, startup here in Las Vegas. He's also a consultant, used to work over at Lyft. And uh, Paul is joining us as a uh, incoming real estate expert contributor um, for his journey in, in the real estate world. And so Paul, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for the, the intro, Elias, appreciate it. Awesome. Definitely, definitely not an expert in real estate though. Yeah, yeah, neither am I. You know, I think uh, we wear our uh, new badges proudly because we're here to learn. Um, and so I think that like, is a good segue. I mean, like, um, why don't we start off and, and Paul, why don't you introduce like um, your history in real estate? I mean, you've had some unique opportunities, some unique challenges, and, and now you're working on getting your license. We'd love for you to share with everybody here on, on what your real estate background is like. Yeah. Um, so how I even got involved and became passionate um, about real estate uh, was my first house flip and I inherited a, a family house, my grandma's house. And it was built in the 60s, late 50s. And so at the time I was searching, I was in the, in the housing market looking for a house to buy. And uh, my father, he told me, hey, you can take over your grandmother's house if you want. Um, it's obviously in a bad neighborhood. It's, in, it's over off Martin Luther King, Washington area. Um, but he's like, it's obviously in a bad neighborhood. It's not traditionally your style. You know, at the time I was staying in, uh, Park Avenue off Las Vegas Boulevard, South Las Vegas Boulevard. And so I said, okay, I'll take a look at it. Took a look at the house, uh, had front yard, backyard, two bed or one, one, two bedrooms. And it was just a mess. Right. Um, it was real choppy, real boxy, no AC, um, asbestos, all that stuff was in there. So I took it on because it was a paid off house. You know, how often, how often are, are, you know, are we blessed enough to be gifted a house by our family, right? Or inherit a house um, that's totally paid off, right? So it's, literally, it's literally almost like giving you a business with, that has minimal operating expenses you know, and so you just got to shape it up. And so at that time, I've never, I've never been in construction, never did carpentry, never did no electrical work, my, never changed the outlet, you know, never, <laughs> never did any of that stuff. And so um, luckily enough, I had a friend, a friend of mine, um, not cool, uh, who's a great friend, and he was doing house flips at the time. He, he did like three and so he had already jumped into it. He already like, you know, took on the losses, right? To learn on how not to do some things. And so I consulted with him on just, you know, how I should go about fixing up this house. Um, Cause at first I started it off doing it myself. Like just, I knew it had to be demoed, right? And I knew about load bearing walls. So I was like, all right, well, first step is it's gonna have to get demoed. So I can do that on my own. So I hired, you know, some guys, he's a real, he's a licensed contractor 
and he did the demo for like 1800 bucks it was crazy how um, long did that take literally like less than a week oh, you know man. they had the dumpsters out there and they just got to work were you doing it too bro did you grab a hammer and knock oh, hell no. <laughs> oh hell no like I, I kicked in some walls at first you know just yeah. to get it out my system and say i did it right right um but but it was just such a like that's some dirty work that's like really right. dirty work that's hard on the lungs if you don't have the right gear and these guys didn't have the right gear like they didn't they have the right n95 gear? mask yeah. they were just hustling you know, they were just they were just in there breathing it and oh, so man. um and they had the oh man yeah it, had, it has oh, nothing man. to do with the story right but it was just like it was a shock to where it's like i'm not going in that house until you guys are done until it's aired out they're like we're um, pros. we do this every day yeah but, and so uh, essentially and so essentially from there, um, I, I had a learning curve and ex learning experience mm -hmm. dealing with each specialty contractor. So um, Narco, he shared with me the priority of, of the of things that I should prioritize, right? Like one, two, three. Well, what were um, they? Like, oh, gloss over them real quickly. Yeah, like basically, don't do landscaping before you finish the inside of the house. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, okay, cool. Like have the foundation set, right? Exactly, right. You know, address like address all the hard stuff first okay. before you start putting the lipstick and makeup on the house. So check out the plumbing first, mm -hmm. electrical, you know, make sure there's no asbestos, you know, uh, make sure the insulation is blown in is right. Um, and making sure everything's up to code, right? Especially if you plan on selling it yeah. um, to a traditional, uh, traditional uh, um, uh, house home hunter, somebody who's looking to buy a house, right? Uh, especially if they're going, if they're doing their financing through a bank, because yeah. obviously the bank they they send inspectors out, and if some things have been done to the home, and it's not, they didn't pull a permit for those changes or those updates to the home. Well, then those updates um, need to either be taken taken out or updated uh, to code okay. um, prior to the bank authorizing the loan for the person that wants to buy your home. Yeah. So yeah, stuff like that before. Yeah. And based on that, you know, um, uh, got to be honest, I cut a few corners. Um, but the only reason why I cut a few corners as far as like not not getting a permit on some things. Like I didn't get a permit for knocking down a wall and changing, like opening up the layout, you know, um, because it was so simple. It wasn't like changing a power box or. Yeah, I mean, you know, aren't there uh, some you know, student thresholds? I mean, maybe maybe for one of these future episodes, Paul, we find like uh, somebody in the Clark County Public Assessor's Office or whatever office these permits are filed, and we bring them on and ask them all the questions. But I imagine that there's probably. I got you. A threshold. Huh. I imagine there's a threshold, like uh, not every, you know, do I really have to tell the city about every single flower pot that I'm going to move to the backyard or, you know, so I imagine that there's like a threshold of like, what is, you know, you know, something big enough that you can move. If you're going to build a whole, you know, two story casita in the backyard. I bet you need a permit. Definitely. Yeah. Go yeah, on by definitely. yeah. The flower pots are more like under, uh, like C the CNRs that you'll, you'll come up against and face in like HOAs. You know stuff like that that's in front of the house um that's uh, public facing um but yeah so i have a learning curve from each specialty so you know as i went through that priority list right so um first thing was demo learning how to identify load bearing walls 
um, learning like just basically how to how to demo a house because there is a science to demoing a house, right? Um, so you don't, in case you're not taking out the electrical, you're not cutting cords, you're not damaging, risking any, hitting any like pipes or plumbing. So you just can't just throw a sledgehammer through a wall because there might be a pipe behind that wall, right? Or anything else um, that may cost you more money, right? In the, in the flip. So learning from demo, learn learn like pick their brain on how to demo a house. Then once I brought in electrical guys or, or framing, framing guys, because I did framing first, picked his brain on framing. Um, like, you know, a little like, learn like what's code here, what's code there. Um, and then framing, I learned about what electrical. Exactly is huh? What, what exactly framing? Is, uh, is framing? So framing is the layout of your house. So all the walls, all the, all the, like the, the, the beams in the house. So you so you know how you build okay. a house and you see the skeleton, just all the wood beams. Yeah, that's framing. So learn with framing. Learn from the guy uh, on framing and just you know little little tips and tricks on you know how to frame appropriately and like uh, basically like framing hacks. Yeah. And electrical, right? Learning you know their code and how they set up electrical and like the perspective that they have going into a residence. Um, and then with plumbing and then with drywall, tape and mud, and, uh, and then painting, which I did myself. Mm -hmm. And then after all that, um, then landscaping, right? And so I, I was blessed to, to kind of have one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, uh, sessions because every time the guys came out, I was on site. I was at the house. And I was, it was usually, it was just them and probably one yeah, other guy. I imagine that was probably one of Nakul's tips, right? Like, don't send the contractors out to your house by themselves. I mean, be there to, like, troubleshoot problems in real time, right? Of course, of course, of course. Because especially if you're paying um, any of these contractors hourly, yeah, right? Which, which I, I totally, oh, man. I totally, I totally recommend against. <laughs> For sure. Um, Rate. Don't pay, never pay hourly because contractors out here will milk it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so after kind of going through that whole learning experience and bending that learning curve and making my mistakes, right? Because we had a very limited budget um, to get the goal across the finish line, which is getting the house totally refab, right? right. And, and I also learned about HVAC, right? Uh, which is heat. Uh, huh? And how expensive that was getting the HVAC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How expensive, but all the different options, right? on just trying to trying to calculate and determine what form of HVAC is best for the home. So you might go with a traditional AC unit. And if you go to a traditional AC unit, if it's a four ton, six ton, et cetera, are you gonna put it on top of the roof or are you gonna put it on the ground on the side of the house in the backyard? Yeah. You know, uh, are you gonna have, if you're not traditional AC, are you gonna do independent handlers, right? And an independent handler is kind of usually what you see in like condos or part or hotels or even my house. Right, the small ones. That, that right. has the independent, the independent, the independent um, zone controls, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which I find that very, very efficient because you save a lot of money uh, per cubic square foot that you're heating and cooling. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially, if you're just if you're just working in your bedroom or you're just in your bedroom for the night, you don't need to have the AC on in the living room when you're going to sleep. Yeah, for sure. No, they have those systems all over Europe, uh, those like independent ACs that. Yeah, I love them, right? I really, I love it. And then you also, have, then you have um, 
your water your water cooler ACs, right? That just it just damn near makes the house feel like you're in Atlanta, Georgia. It's really weird. Um, I hate them. I remember as a kid. So, anyways, uh, those having those experiences and uh, those mentors, so to speak, right, unofficially, um, to kind of allow allow me to pick their brain and share with me their knowledge and years of experience on what they learned. Yeah. And that, and by doing that, that gave me an understanding on where I stand with my knowledge because I was also doing a lot of the work with them. I was putting up, putting in outlets, you know, um, running wire through the beams, um, helping, helping, helping the plumber, uh, weld, weld the pipes together, the copper pipes together, um, putting in the, 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 the air vents for the toilets and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's so much stuff. Um, but I fell in love with it because flipping houses end of the day, I view myself as a problem solver. Right. And so, and this is why flipping homes, right. Is, is, is kind of more attractive to me um, because it's a problem to be solved that right. no one else traditionally wants to take on with distressed homes. And so if you're fortunate enough to have the knowledge and the courage, right, to, to take on that endeavor, because usually you're investing your own money or you have a hard money lender um, that will give you, that will loan you uh, the capital that you need, uh, sometimes with collateral or without collateral, if they know you personally. Let's more uh, about that, man. I mean, you know, for the folks that are listening that, you know, are probably interested in getting into flipping homes, I mean, you're in the process of getting into that. I mean, um, what's your experience been like? And first off, can you explain like what a hard money lender is, you know, for anybody? Yeah, so a hard money lender is just your non-traditional lender that's outside of a, of a, your, your banks, right? Your banks or your credit unions. And so let's say... Uh, how, how would you meet like a non-traditional lender? Would I Google it? Or is it yeah, and so that's, that's a great question because I, I'm literally going through that phase right now, right? Okay. Um, but so our, I have already identified two hard money lenders that have certain, certain, like, they have a certain formula that they work with, right, based on the project. So some, money, some hard money lenders will give you an 80% loan to debt, um, uh, uh, debt to loan. Okay. And then uh, some people, you know, finance you 100%. Um, so you, it's always just based on the investor that you meet, the interest that they're seeking in the terms of that loan, um, if they benefit you, benefit both parties, really, right? So how you find hard money lenders, you can just literally go on Facebook, find Facebook groups of investors within real estate. Okay. Um, that is what I was recommended to do. Um, and yeah, that is what I, huh? that work? Did it, did it help kickstart some conversations that you're in the process of having or? How well, it, it's a lead, right? And so I just had this conversation two days ago. Um, no, I'm sorry, yesterday. All right. Yesterday I just had it with my first hard money lender, right? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, if anything bigger outside of what he's comfortable lending, mm -hmm. he said for me to look on the Facebook group and put, you know, a post or an ad on what I'm trying to do and then um, just sit and wait for those inbound, inbound uh, leads to come back. These hard money lenders, this is how they make their money. 
they have tons of cash and they're just looking for somebody who's going to go hustle who knows what to do find an opportunity execute bring him some kind of return exactly how does it split out i mean do you normally do like a 50 50 with the, with the lender because you're doing all the work or is it a different kind of structure yeah so traditionally you do so there's an interest rate on the loan because you got to keep in mind that these flips are that have a timeline expected timeline right yeah, to be I mean, done like start a start to finish so it's usually about 90 days right within yeah. 90 days you do you totally refab the house and then you put it you list it on the market um and then you sell it or you rent it out right you put a right. tenant in there um so whatever that 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 strategy is for you guys. Um, you just go ahead and deploy that at the end. But traditionally, the interest rate for those hard money loans can fall anywhere between 10 and 25%. And usually, usually anywhere above 15, 15 to 25%, um, usually uh, from, my, from my experience, right, in research, usually those evolve around commercial uh, loans and projects. Not res those are usually not uh, in, in regards to residential projects. For an interest rate on the loan? For a high interest rate on the loan. Oh, okay. When I say high, like anything above I mean, above 15%. Right. And, oh, and let's like, like, talk about the numbers. I mean, like a residential project, 300 grand maybe, but a commercial project, you're talking about like a multi-million dollar project easily, right? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, commercial project just could be, you know, a commercial project, right? Even if it's like 300, 400, you might have something little like that. Um, but based on the square footage of work for the refab, the rehab, right, uh, is also taken into consideration. Because um, you have to, one, purchase and acqu or acquire the property, right? What's the sale price? So you need the hard lending for that. And you probably won't, you, you probably, it's probably difficult to find a commercial property for less than 500 grand, to be honest with you. Um, but I don't know. Um, truth be told, I've, I've never, I haven't even done a real estate transaction yet. Right. I'm just talking about from my personal experience with yeah. flipping and my, my aspirations to get, get more uh, solidified into flipping homes. Um, but yeah, those commercial, those commercial loans may run you 20, 25%. The, in, the investor may seek 20, 25% interest rate on the loan. But for these hard money lenders, right, for these single family uh, or multifamily uh, homes, usually falls between 12 and 15%. Okay. But I mean, like uh, advice that you're probably taking on and advice for anybody listening, it's like smarter to start smaller, right? I mean, you kind of need to have the yes, ability to very much. investors of, this is my portfolio project. So I can, you know, handle, you know, I'm ready for the, half mil deal or 750k and, and, and you know grow it from there as you also grow your list of lenders eventually right you know so paul you're building this company now right like your other flip it sounds like it went well do you still have the tenant there or did you end up selling the property or you plan on no so i have a tenant there because the house the house is totally paid off yeah no know? reason to sell it right i mean there's, there's literally it. there's literally no reason to sell it because that house i'm guaranteed now to get you know 1300 a month right. for the rest of my life and then my son's life because I'll put the house in, a, in an estate, like in a trust. It, so know, that trust will be basically continue to build up passive income. Um, the the generational wealth, man. Grandma's little nest egg is going to get on over to your son one day. 
It's crazy, man. And, you know, I haven't made the best financial decisions in the last five years. You know, entrepreneurship, it, it puts you on one hell of a roller coaster. Um, and, you know, you have entrepreneurs will have the tendency to make decisions based on emotions and not just based on logic on what works best. Because as an entrepreneur, especially if you don't have co-founders, you're the only one that is literally like seeing everything that, that you're faced with and everybody is only seeing what you give them a glimpse of right and so it, it, it's tough sometimes to, to in making these decisions and then it's also tough into developing the the credibility right to take on certain projects uh, for people to instill trust in you with their money that you're going to get your goal across the finish line and they're going to get their money back in a yeah. timely manner so it's um that's why mindset is so important. Yeah, you know, it, it is. And it's, it sucks because some of us, you know, we started this, we, we jump, we go into this, this adventure, this our endeavors of entrepreneurship without mentors, without life coaches, right? Without any wisdom or guidance, you know, of others who have done it. Um, I, I, I would like to believe that, you know, many entrepreneurs are those who come from, family backgrounds where, you know, they're probably the first ones to have went to college. They're probably the first ones to try to start up a business, you know, with their family. Um, and so it's, it's literally just, it's tough to seek the right information that you need in order to build the bridge that you want so you can reach, you can cross over and reach your goal. Yeah. And so that bridge is sometimes knowledge or it's just uh, a warm introduction um, to people that you may need to be in front of that a colleague or, or a friend or a family member of yours has a connection with. Right. There's a lot of moving pieces to this uh, crazy world of entrepreneurship, man. And I think um, if you are in a situation where you're not surrounded by entrepreneurs or folks like that, then, then go find them. Hop on Facebook groups. Message me and Paul right now. If you don't have any entrepreneurs in your life, message us on Facebook or LinkedIn and, and we'll be happy to talk to you because a big part of being a successful entrepreneur outside of having your mindset down is also having your network down, you know, having folks around you that are, you know, that even if they don't see your complete vision, they support you, you know, so that you continue to, to get at it. Um, you know, as opposed to, you know, I've, a lot of beginner entrepreneurs, you know, that are probably coming from families that aren't in business. They're probably from, you know, different, more traditional careers. Like they probably, not probably, I, no lots of entrepreneurs you hear all the time from their friends and family not to do what they're doing and it's discouraging um but i i think i think like a part of being an entrepreneur and goes into having your mindset down is um is having the res resolution the resolve to be able to persist and stay dedicated to the project that you're moving on and and Paul, I mean, you are definitely a uh, an example of that with the project that you're working on that you ideated, designed, patented, engineered, and now close to manufacturing. I mean, building a business isn't easy and it could literally take decades. Bro, look at this hat. It's fucking chaos. Yeah. yeah. All right? Like literally anything that you want to build from the ground up, expect there to be chaos yeah. in, your, in your roadmap. Um, because one thing that I've, I've come I come to accept is that, you know, uh, you need to have a direction, not necessarily 
a, a, a business plan, right? Like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this on this day, I'm going to do this on this day, and I'm going to do this right after this, and that, 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 that. All that I guarantee you, I guarantee you, bro, some shit's going to come out of nowhere and hit you in your face, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Right. Like, I how, COVID happening. Right. how do I get through with this? Like, like what, uh, um, uh, fuck, what is it? Gary, Gary, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk? Huh? Gary V? Gary V, you know, so he, I had a chance to meet Gary V in person and, and speak with him because he came to Lyft and he did, um, he did a, a sit down, right? A fire, a fireside chat. Was it over at the park? Huh? At the park? No, no, this was at Lyft HQ in oh, San Fran. That's dope. That is in awesome. San Fran. And so all my marketers uh, flew up to San Fran for a week. And it was basically just, you know, a, a, a full on like boot camp, right? For marketers. But it's just, it's not like a boot camp as far as training and skill set development. It was more so like opening up the perspective, opening up the mind for more creativity right? Think outside the box on what we haven't done. Don't think about what we have done and complement that. Think about building something totally fucking different and, and launch it, right? So Gary V came out and he's talking about, you know, how issues will arise, right? Problems will arise. Um, you know, business plan ain't shit because, you know, something's going to go wrong. So that's why you just need to pick a direction and, and move forward because, Pick a goal, you go straight towards that goal. But if bullshit happens, it's going to deter you off that path, right? And you may have to pivot on your strategy. So you may have to go right, go around a problem, you know. You might have to go back and correct something to go forward. But, you know, there will be pivots um, that you may have to take within your business plan based on the, the economic environment, right? Um, or based on some things in your business plan that you anticipated getting across the finish line it just doesn't go well in your favor. Right. So you have to be flexible. And I think that's where your mindset comes in, right? On what we were talking about earlier, how it's yeah. everything. Because Gary B, he said, life is a contact sport. You know, you're going to get punched in the face. And you can, the business plan is like, you know, training every day in the boxing gym, right? For your, 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 your bout, your first pro bout. I know, right? But it ain't going to do you're, nothing you're when you training, get training. You're doing it. You're getting all the combos in. You you know, you got your shorts now. You're ready. You're cut. And you get in the ring and then boom, you get punched in the fucking face. And now you're just like, oh, wait, what? Like, what am I to do? Cool days. Right? And you have to be flexible and be able to pivot and 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 make a snappy alternative, develop an alternative path on, on the fly um, in order to not lose yeah. time and lose money because that normally is what a monkey wrench uh, will cause you is the loss of time or the loss of money if right. you do not act swiftly in triaging that issue swiftly and also you know all of your consequences are a result of your actions and if you make actions based off your emotions and you make the wrong actions you're just big you know wasting more time wasting more money because more wrenches are going to be coming down the pipeline and so definitely goes back to that mindset thing i think gary v has lately been talking a lot about like emotional intelligence as like a yeah, key thing for being good at business because i lost a lot of money due to lack of emotional intelligence 
Yeah. You know, crypto. Crypto goes up and you'd be like, oh, shit, let me cash out. Or it's right. about to go down. It's about to go down. You'd be like, oh, no. Cash it out. Cash it out. Next yeah. thing you know, it just, what? It takes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe getting mad at a fucking employee. You know, you should be yelling at your team members, you know. But 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 for some reason, lots of managers do. And and so you're not going to build a, a happy, strong culture. I bet you those managers don't have a dog. Yeah. You need a dog. You need a dog. Having a dog will help build emotional intelligence on uh, being able to just, you know what? He just, he just pissed or shit on my shoe. Nah, he was just whooping. I'm just going to say, hey, man, this Not makes me feel. Deal. This ain't right. <laughs> uh, meditation, too. You know, meditation has helped me a lot. But hey, Paul, thank you so much. You know, we've been jamming out of here. This is just first episode of what's probably going to be many episodes. You want to drop in any golden nuggets or you got any questions for me before we sign off? Well, what's, what, what's, dri- what's driving you, uh, one, to develop this platform, right? Yeah. Um, and then what is your, what's your, uh, what attracts you to the real estate industry? Um, because I think that those are two questions. What attracts you to launching and developing this podcast for, for those who are interested in getting real estate? But and then you ask us to have another question on just why real estate, right? No, for sure. So why real estate? I also answer them in reverse order. Why real estate? Um, I've always just been attracted to the concept of the American dream. You know, the American dream of family, you know, nest egg, your children. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 yet I wake up in Las Vegas and we're in a town where sixty-two percent of us are renters. I go pay extra bullshit fees at my multifamily apartment, um, you know, just to live there and, you know, just losing equity in my life. So um, why, why? Because the American dream is powerful to change so many lives. And yet um, for some reason, the system has been set up so that uh, folks can't always benefit from that American dream. And, and it's, you know, contributing to the rich poor divide. And in a time like the pandemic now, where so many people are under forbearance and so many people are in their moratorium, I mean, the moratorium for evictions is gone. People are getting evicted now. Uh, you know, it's a very real issue. And, um, and so then leads me to like, why this podcast, why this program? Um, you know, I look around in the real estate industry, I try to go learn a ton. And um, I'm just surprised that like, I talk to professionals in the industry. And, so, you know, I don't blame them. Um, but I don't think it's the right mindset. And it is like, you know, okay, well, I'll help you. But you know, uh, you know, I need that I need that commission check, or I need you to sign this contract, or no, I'm not going to give you my golden nuggets of how I flipped this house and made $20,000 to put my life in a better situation. Right. Because I don't understand that scarcity mindset of like, this is my information, my information only. And so, um, you know, I believe education is the greatest equalizer in the world. I think we all need to do our part to make education more open and transparent. And I think that real estate is that beast that I'm going to go in there and, and make it more transparent, make it open, you know, go on this um, mission of interviewing hundreds of real estate experts and uh, repurposing that into hopefully valuable content so that we could just make it more mainstream. You know, the goal is to create these programs that will turn into free online high school classes on financial management and on real estate education, free classes on how to buy your first home, free classes on how to be an investor, free classes on how to be an agent. And I'm not trying to compete or take money off anybody else's plate. Like if you have a school, if you wanna promote your programs, if you're an agent, you need to get clients, by all means, please plug into this channel, contribute donate your expertise. And I promise you by doing that act of kindness, that act of giving, that the ROI on that is going to be insurmountable in this content driven world that we're going towards. And so, you know, I'm pretty passionate about like 
education and uh and you know i'm pretty shocked that the industry is where it's at um and it's not just in vegas you know in malta i saw some pretty uh inexcusable things and um and i think um the solution is all of us coming together just having these conversations in a way that uh, can be repurposed in the valley yeah no i totally agree i totally agree um thank you for sharing because it definitely brings some clarity on just how how some of the the gaps that you see from your perspective um uh for connecting and offering everyone a, a resource that they can rely on for educational purposes yeah. to kind of keep them in the loop on just, you know, exciting new updates, um, you know, being able to kind of get a, a understanding of who's who in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, Find that mentor, and, man, you know, uh, get, you know, hopefully this is an opportunity for folks to find a mentor. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or even, or even find um, for new agents that are coming out and don't want to hang up their license blindly with a broker. Yeah. Um, this is, I would think this is a great uh, uh, first stopping point for them to kind of gain a insight into the local environment of real estate and see who's doing what in the field um, based on, you know, the host, co-host guests that you have on your show and yeah, then they can make a more informed decision on, you know, what broker is the best fit for their style that they want to, you know, uh, deploy within yeah. the real estate industry that can set themselves uh, different from all the other realtors in the industry. Amen to that, homie. Paul, brother, thank you so much for this episode of Real Estate Experts with me. I'm excited to many more with you. And uh, and you know what? I got to hold you on to this. So I'm saying it live. You should get that cool on here, brother, and you should interview him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I don't, have, ever, have you ever met him? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey. Me okay, and Brent cool. met him. I think Brent pitched him on to. Oh, oh yeah. So long ago. Oh, yeah. my God. Six years. So long ago. Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. That just brought up a lot of memories. Yes, sir. <laughs> that brought up a lot of memories. Um, awesome, man. Well, yeah, no, thank you. And then, um, yeah, keep it going. I love I love the consistency that I've been seeing. So by all means, I'm, I'm looking forward to your next episode already and seeing who you bring on. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have tremendous gratitude for our guests and you listening now for joining our mission of democratizing real estate education around the world. If you want to learn more from our experts, our mission, and get involved, then please visit realestateexperts.org to get started. Who knows? You might even be a guest on a future episode.